Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, I'm really excited today to share with you another personal story uh, from the lives of people in our community. And I want to introduce you uh, to someone special from our St. Catherine's location. Say hello to Elaine Orr. Elaine, say hi to everybody. Hi, everyone. Um, I don't know how much of a podcast fan you are, Elaine, but uh, I know you're a little nervous about yes. uh, getting into this conversation. We're going to have some fun, so hopefully okay. you can take a deep breath and, and relax a little bit. Okay. Um, can you just start off by acquainting all of us with a little bit of just your background, and then we're just going to dive right into your story. Okay, so um, I'm 57 years old. I attend the St. Catharines location. Um, I grew up in the area. Um, I was raised in a highly dysfunctional home, would be an understatement. There was every form of abuse you can imagine and some you probably can't imagine. Um, my mother left the home when I was 10, so I was raised by a single father who was a raging alcoholic. Uh, at 16 years of age, I decided that hitchhiking across Canada was a better option than living at home. So at 16, I hitchhiked across Canada, and that was the very first of many, many, many bad decisions I made along the way. And by that time, I was already experiencing drug and alcohol abuse, personally. I don't know what else you need to say. Oh, I went, my mom, when I said my mom left when I was 10, um, so I was raised in a house with just all males. And it was a very male chauvinistic dominant house. It was very verbally, physically abusive. Um, my father was a self-professed male chauvinistic. Um, but my father in the last 10 years of his life, though I'm happy to say, quit drinking. And our children, his grandchildren, do not know that same father that I'm describing at all. And that mother that left when I was 10, I ended up going back to England because that's where she moved back to and ended up taking care of her on her deathbed about 10 years ago. So that was another full circle moment for me. Hmm. That's probably more than enough context to kind of color the background of this. I appreciate you, you starting things off so vulnerably. Um, let, let's start kind of experiencing your your Southridge story because your journey with our church began years ago. Talk about how that started. Um, um, so I had just gotten out of long-term treatment and I was living in sober living and a friend of mine was staying in the shelter and he asked me to come and see him and visit him. So I went to the shelter to visit him and it happened to be a Sunday and he said, let's go to church. Well, I rolled my eyes and I went, really? I guess, to support you, I'll go. And from the moment I walked into the doors of Southridge, I felt like I belonged. I felt very welcome. I felt home and I felt love. Unconditional love that I've never felt before. Also that same year in 2006, 
I was baptized December 31st. So this is almost like a full circle moment 15 years later. If you would have told me 15 years ago I would be doing a podcast with a pastor of a church, I would have said you're off your rocker. (laughs) We would have told you 15 years ago that you were going to attend a church. (laughs) We were off our rocker. (laughs) Yes. Um, Can you you just drill in a little bit more, Elaine, on those initial feelings? Like when you visited the shelter, which for people uh, who are unfamiliar with our, our church, our St. Catherine's location has a shelter in one end of the building. And so you, you kind of entered through that end of the building, your friend walked you down to the other end of the building. And you're saying that you, your initial impressions, you had some of these, these feelings that were, I'll just say, it sounds like surprisingly positive. How were those, like what was happening to create those feelings? Was it what was being spoken in like a sermon or was it the, the way that people in the lobby were relating to you? What was, how, because there's church leaders listening as well. And they're wondering, how do you create that impact on people at such an immediate first impression? Well, it started at the doors when I was, you know, greeted and told, welcome, you're welcome here. And I thought, really, I'm welcome here. Um, I didn't feel very, still didn't feel very worthy at that point in my life because I was still like six months over. So that's not, that's very young in sobriety. And then I went in and the music started. It was the music that got me, Jeff. I wish I could remember the song that was playing because I just started crying. And I had an overwhelming sense of peace and that I was going to be okay that it was actually going to be okay for me. And then that same individual started introducing me to other people in the church. Dave and Debbie Weens, that individual, him and I took um, an alpha course together. And Dave and Debbie Weens were our table leaders. That same individual introduced me to Sue Lockyer. (laughs) She's been a huge part of my journey. And then she took me to a life group event. Yeah, we'll get into some of that uh, yes. those next chapters. I'm, I'm just trying to camp out on this first impression. I, I, I think it's just remarkable the way that you're talking about the just the ministry that music can have. Yes, and you know, especially for people listening from our community who serve in our worship bands, and for leaders from other churches who are listening to to not underestimate the first impression immediate impact that music ministry can have that's that's really a remarkable part of your your story and and sounds like it was uh those were some powerful moments for you absolutely and music christian music still a big part of my day like i blast it in the house all the time i live with two other people who are not christians they are believers but they don't attend church or anything like that so they have to put up with it (laughs) They really do, because it gets my day going. Yeah. Now, knowing that you were visiting a friend at the shelter, uh, can you talk about just your first impressions and kind of your experiences as an observer of the shelter? Uh, What was that contribution to all this? Well, that was a little bit different because when I first walked into the shelter, you're going 15 plus years ago. So the shelter was fairly new at that time. So, about a year old. 
Yeah. yeah. So it was really run a totally different than it is now. But I was impressed that a church would actually attach a homeless shelter to themselves. I was shocked by that. I was absolutely floored because most churches or most, sorry, most homeless shelters are placed in like the downtown core, right in the thick of all the drugs and alcohol, which is not a great environment. How do you learn any differently if you don't see any differently? So having the shelter part of the church, right away I was floored. So it changed my impression of God because up until that point, Jeff, God was not part of my life. Um, I was actually very angry at God for a very, very, very long time. Very long time. 40 plus years. It's a long time to be angry at God. And that walking in there, and it just changed all that. Everything started shifting the way I thought, the way I was listening, the way I was listening to what was going on in the shelter, to the people's conversations and what they needed. And they needed what I needed, just to be loved and accepted where I'm at. Not where you want me to be at, but where I'm at. Yeah, it's amazing when people of faith will bridge that divide and, and do the, the bridge building to get to where people are actually at, how much that behavior communicates the heart and character of God in a way that maybe they've never experienced before. That's Absolutely. a great observation. Absolutely. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about just your recovery journey, which is remarkable in and of itself. So talk about like coming out of treatment and, you know, all the practicalities, finding a place to live and, and, you know, you know, changing habits. And I guess the expression is getting back on your feet. Like, how did all that happen? Talk about all that. Okay, so that was a long process because I went to treatment for five months. I was a month clean when I went to treatment. So I was six months clean when I got out and I went into sober living at Branscombe House right beside Adams Street. And I was in sober living for six months. And then I went into transitional housing for a year at Bethlehem Place. And at Bethlehem Place, it was mandatory once a week counseling and once a week life skill classes, which were phenomenal because I came from a world where drinking and drugging were normal and all those behaviors that go along with it. So I lacked life skills. So that was very fundamental for me. And then I went from transitional housing to my own apartment but this is where there's still a gap I think in in the in the services out in our community it was very difficult as a single person to find housing affordable housing not in the thick of it for myself I actually had to be out of Bethlehem place in January and I had been out all day looking and there was a sign on the side of the street and it said apartment for rent. And I'm like, oh, come on, Stacy, let's just go check it out. And that was the apartment I got. And it was only five something a month. Um, but that's where the gap is still in the system though, Jeff. Affordable housing is 
is really hard to find. Unfortunately, that was part of my journey that I did have to do on my own. But by then, I was almost two years sober. So I had a lot of tools and I had a lot of life skills and I had a lot of wherewithal. And I wasn't um, concerned about drinking and drugging. I was concerned about being homeless again. Yeah, because even though you'd, you'd never spent time in the shelter, you'd experienced homelessness yourself Absolutely. in that period of addiction. Yes. Um, two years before I got sober, I was homeless. No fixed address. If you look at my health card from that time, which I have kept, it has Adam Street as my address. Adam Street is the de- was the women's detox center in St. Catharines. Hmm. And what would you say to someone who has really no no familiarity or no no contact with someone that's experienced homelessness, what, what, what would you want them to ultimately know that maybe they don't know? Well, for a person who is homeless, on a daily basis, it's mentally, emotionally, spiritually draining. It's just absolutely draining. Um, your self-esteem's in the toilet. Um, you feel unworthy. You feel unloved. You feel like a failure. Just, we don't understand what people have been, their, their backstory. We don't understand. We've never walked a day in their shoes. I can tell you how horrible my upbringing was, but Jeff, I've heard far worse. And that says a lot. I don't think we're designed to handle all that trauma. We're supposed to love one another. And love one another means without conditions. And for me, you know, I've made some pretty unique friendships through that shelter. Lifelong friendships. It's an amazing place. Yeah, yeah. And I want to tap into that a minute. I just wanted to pause and say I, 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 I felt what you're describing in my first experiences with our shelter, I guess one of the initial impressions of people experiencing homelessness, one of my very, very initial impressions was just how tired people were. And the more I got to know people and the more I got kind of into it, I realized that was just the tip of the iceberg. I, I, I had no idea how exhausted they were. And, you know, for people who might have attitudes or or stereotypes around those experiencing homelessness just to empathize a little bit more with I love the the color that you're bringing to that conversation just how brutally exhausting all of the trauma and all of the stresses and all of the emotions and and challenges that you're facing actually are in in that season uh, of a person's life it's it's well you have no foundation where to work from Your home's your foundation. If you have no home, you have no foundation to work from. Like our Housing First program, I love it. Before, we used to try to get people clean and sober and blah, blah, blah. But I think putting a roof over their head is the first step. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to dive in a little bit deeper to your journey of development here, Elaine, because as you plugged into our community, you talk about first impressions and alpha and getting baptized and, you know, amazing. 
but that was kind of only the start of your engagement with our church. Talk about how you plugged into community. You, meant, you mentioned some names and they involved you in a life group. What, what has that meant to you? Okay, so, you know, when Sue Lockyer took me to that life group event, I thought, oh, I don't think this is for me. And she's like, just give it a chance, just give it a chance. And so I joined a life group with her, Linda Moffitt's life group. So almost everything's about 15 years ago. And I'm still with that same life group. I actually co-lead now with Linda in that life group. We meet weekly and we meet for three hours, Jeff, every week. Um, and it's Monday mornings and people are like, well, how do you manage to do that on Monday mornings? Well, I work for myself now, so that is a big help. So I, Monday mornings is the most important thing to me for my spiritual growth, even up and above Sunday morning services. Sorry, Jeff, but it is. Um, but no we offense study taken. The, <laughs> we study the services together. Um, so they're very instrumental in my spiritual growth. But we've been there through the good, the bad, deaths, marriages, births, you name it, we've been through it. And we're, we're a very solid, solid group of women. We're actually known as the Sunflower Sisters. So this, this brand, this, this Sunflower <laughs> Sisters group, and I, I, I know you well enough, you're thick as thieves, this, this group. Yeah. Um, you know, you said you, 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 you debrief the weekend services. So for people outside of Southridge, we have some conversation starters that we provide for our life groups to debrief the, the weekend messages. So you use that kind of as your curriculum. And uh, how, how would you say that that's contributed most to encouraging and developing your spiritual growth, Elaine? Okay, well, it's it's that love beyond Ten Commandment way of life. It's like they'll know us by our deeds. Well, all of that speaks action to me personally. So what am I doing personally to show love? Because the greatest command is to love thy neighbor. Well, it's kind of hard to love thy neighbor when you don't even know who your neighbor is. So it's about building relationships with individuals outside of my comfort circle. And thank goodness, because the more love I give, the more love that's coming back to me, Jeff. When I was a year sober, I said to myself, my gosh, my life is terrific. If it gets any better, I can hardly stand it. My life keeps getting better and better and better. And it's because of listening to hear what you're saying in those services, as opposed to listening to respond. I'm listening to hear, to actually hear what you're saying, what we're supposed to be doing. The hands and feet of Jesus, hands and feet mean to me action. So I got to go out there and do just do whatever that is for you. Well, and that's where the story of God's activity in you really, in my opinion, becomes really remarkable and, and so encouraging because at some level it becomes full circle where you kind of entered our community through a friend at the shelter, darkened those doors on your way to the auditorium doors and 
And these days, you've re-engaged kind of in our shelter ministry through a program called Community Connect. Talk about what that program is, help those of us from outside of Southridge understand it, and what your involvement in that looks like. It's actually a program that connects our church community with ex-shelter residents who need help, support. We all need help and support. But especially those who are marginalized and have no one. So the church set me up with um, a woman named Linda Fast. And her and I are a team. And we help support a woman named Diane. Diane is the next shelter resident. And until um, Linda and I took started seeing her on a regular basis, she hadn't been to our church or near our church community in two years, Jeff. She has no family. Now we get her to church once a week or one week, and then the following week we get her to ladies' coffee. So it's like one week church, one week ladies' coffee, one week church, one week ladies' coffee. And it's made a world of difference to her. But not only has it made a world of difference to her, Linda and I have now developed this wonderful friendship. The three of us are like the three musketeers now. We laugh, we joke. Um, We're going to go see, oh, we're going to go see her in the next couple of days where she's in a home. But it was a lot of little things that were in the way, like transportation because she's in a wheelchair. But all of that's been all worked out and things are going very smoothly. She's like a grandmother to me. She really is. She's absolutely part of my family. And if her disabilities would allow her, I would absolutely have her in my home for Christmas. And one of the one of the interesting things about this Community Connect program or, or system is that it's not just pairing up, you know, congregants and former residents, but it's actually taking those pairs or in your case, th- uh, three musketeers. Yeah. No, my, my, my wife's been paired up. And so, you know, we, we ha- had some community connect uh, for Christmas dinner last week. That was fun in our, in our house. But uh, you know, in your case, it takes that pair or that three musketeers and it actually connects the community connects yes. to create an even broader kind of groundswell of community. Talk about some of those experiences and that impact as well. Like you mean like taking her to like the Thanksgiving dinner and things like that. Is that what you're yeah, exactly. I mean, we had Daniel Strickland recently. Speak and we to brought that her to that and... as well. And she and Diane ended up bringing a friend of hers from the home that she's in that night as well. And that was a great experience. Um, we have coffee with her on a regular basis. I'm going there on Thursday morning to have coffee with her at, at the home. Um, things are getting a little trickier to get her out, but you know what? Well, we have to adapt. We have to adapt. It's very important for her, for us to be involved, but it's just as important for me, Jeff, to be involved with her. It's me getting outside of myself. It's me giving back to my community. It's me getting love back. And there's a saying in Alcoholics Anonymous, you can't keep it unless you give it away. Well, I want to keep the love that I'm feeling, so I'm going to keep giving it away. Yeah, it's amazing. Even even this year when we uh, launched our ministry season back in September, we launched it around this this kind of tagline of living beyond yourself. Mm-hmm. 
And isn't it amazing when you increasingly are for the kinds of people that Jesus was most for mm-hmm. when he walked the earth, how much the, the groundswell of love keeps filling your spirit. Absolutely. It, it it's really amazing. is uh, uh, just a miraculously remarkable resource in the way that God works. Absolutely. For yeah. sure. So the next thing I want to talk about, as if, as if there isn't enough we've talked about already, is a, a, another way that you've tried to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a growing way is joining in in what we call our action ministry uh, that advocates for compassion and justice through supporting indigenous land defenders. Talk about this experience for those of us, even outside our church, who are unfamiliar with this. Okay. Um, well, there's a there's a land of there's a land track called the Haldeman Land Track that our indigenous friends, which is only an hour from here, are trying to defend, keep as their keep for themselves. It is their land. Developers have come in. They've got half the battle done. They've got some of their money back and things like that. But um, I started. How it all started for me was I took people of the lands, the short-term group. And when I started hearing about different things, like the injustices, partway through that group, that's when they first started, when they first found the first grades of the Indigenous children. And Jeff, I actually felt something break inside of me. Um, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is what's happened in our own country. The injustices that have been done towards the Indigenous people are just unimaginable to me. Um, So I took the people of the lands and I hooked up with Nate Dirks and he and I started going out there with his children, just delivering meals, talking. Um, So as a Southridge group, we go out once a month. But I personally go out two or three times a month, Jeff. Um, I'm building friendships with them. The only way I can build a friendship with somebody is with time. And I don't think once a month is enough time, but don't get me wrong. The meals are so important. Um, The last time I was out there, it was so great. It was like we were sitting at their kitchen table, even though we're in their cookhouse. Um... And the kids were so well behaved and it was just a time for laughing and loving and I felt like part of their family. We do a lot of emails and text messages back and forth. Um, I try to bring firewood out to them or, or coffee or things that they might need. They needed stuff for the kids. We did a, we did a, um, a boot gathering of, of all our kids' old boots and I brought them out there and things like that. But they're just a really, really beautiful, peaceful people. People think all these protests are going on and things, but they're actually defending their land. But they're doing it peacefully. And I'm learning things from them. And um, about a month ago, when they they barricaded the um, Highway 6, and I went out to take a, a meal out, from, that was donated by our brave girls. Um, I overheard Dex, one of my indigenous friends out there, refer to me as, that's the lady from the church I've been telling you about. So that opened the door for me to start talking about my faith. 
and different denominations. They were very curious. So now I'm starting to see the shift in the way they feel about the church, which is amazing in and of itself. Isn't that and, remarkable? You know, we've said before, we've said before that good deeds create goodwill that yes. open people to the good news. And that's that intermediate, that's that intermediate phase that you're that you're talking about that there, Elaine. You know, when I when I hear your your journey, you know, with a friend that you were visiting at the shelter and the friendships that you made as you connected with the church and the friendships through Life Group and the friendships in Community Connect and now the friendships at Land Back Lane. I mean, we titled this podcast Friendship Makes the Difference because we believe that so fundamentally. What, what would you want to say to everyone listening from Southridge and beyond about about the significance of that phrase in your in your real life, both in your life and in the lives of others, what would you say about the dynamic where friendship really does make the difference? Well, you know, my faith journey started because of an individual in a shelter. Who knows where your faith journey will begin? Maybe I'm not understanding the question, but... I feel that if you're not plugged into one of our three anchor causes, and you think you need to ask yourself, why not? The Bible says they will know us by our deeds. I'm not saying you have to be down on the front lines like I am. For example, Mari, who does the um, food coordination for Land Back, we had a meeting last month with her, and she said, I don't feel like I'm doing enough. But that's what she can do. She's actually coordinating the meals, doing the e the meals, doing the emailing. That's a huge part of this ministry. So my challenge would be to know would be how will they know? No. So my challenge would be did they know you were a believer by your deeds? That's my challenge to our, our community. Um, my encouragement would be take a leap of faith. Do something out of your comfort level. There's a saying, you can't keep it keep it unless you give it away, and we discussed that. The more I get, show and give love, the more I get back, and it's usually through these unexpected, unusual, out-of-the-box friendships that I've developed. It's not from the people who are just like me. It's from people who are different than me. We're all different for a reason. God made us different, and thank goodness. So faith without works is dead, right? I've heard that somewhere. And yeah, I've, I've heard that somewhere to too. These last, these last couple minutes and feeling like, girl, preach it. You're hired. <laughs> 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 that was that was that was really fantastic. Elaine, thank you for taking some time to share your story with us and really to share the underlying heartbeat of it. I hope people are are captured by the potential that a, a God of incarnate love, who we just celebrated at Christmas, wants to incarnate love through us in a way that doesn't just flow one directionally, but actually recycle back and fill us even more. It's just a remarkable love revolution. You're a beautiful picture of that. And I uh, really appreciate you taking some time to share with us today. Thanks for doing that. Thanks, Jeff.
And uh, to all of you who are listening in, appreciate you tracking with us again. We will see you in seven days time as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. Thank you.